Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Beth Ashley. Beth is a freelance journalist who's become known for writing honest articles that highlight women's experiences, sex and relationships, queer culture, and mental health. So she's right up our alley. Beth is currently the editor of Cosmo Magazine and a columnist for the well-being publication WellBe, where she talks everything about sex and relationships from how to talk to your partner about sexual dysfunction to would we have better sex without the Tories. She has also written for Vice, Refinery29, ID, HuffPuff, and Vogue Business, to name a few, and previously wrote the popular It's My Pleasure sex column at Restless Magazine. So welcome, Beth. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. I mean, you've written so much about sex and well-being. How did this start? Oh, God. Um, well, I did a creative writing class. Um, that was my degree. I did creative writing with a side course of journalism. So it was like a mix. And I was actually fully on, intending on going down the creative writing route and doing like novels and poetry and stuff. But I ended up like, like journalism was basically going to be like my backup. Like if I couldn't do the first one, like this was going to be the thing that made sure I got paid, which is ironic because <laughs> everyone knows that journalists are always fighting like really hard to get paid and it's not actually a super rich like career at all. Um, but I ended up falling in love with it. Like as soon as I did a features class, I was like, oh my God, I love this. It's still so much more like storytelling. So it was right up my alley, basically. And then I started watching Girls. Do you remember Girls on HBO that Lena Dunham wrote? I don't actually. Um, but it's probably quite dated now and nobody likes Lena Dunham anymore. So don't worry <laughs> about it. But it was like, I guess, my generation's Sex in the City. Yes. Um, so I started watching that and it was the first thing that I saw that was like really explorative of sex and relationships the way that they actually are and not like the really movie level of like sex that we always see. But it was still like really, really posh because it's basically about like four incredibly rich women who have like all of their parents' money um, trying to fumble through life and it's not really a fumble if you've had that start um, so I wanted to write about sex from a more um, like normal person's perspective I guess or what my idea of a normal person was um, so I started doing that and writing about sex at uni and I was like the class pervert when I was in uni because everyone else was writing about wizards and I was like penises <laughs> so when I left I just sort of um naturally progressed towards freelance journalism and yeah started writing for Vice and Cosmo and all of that good stuff that's really interesting journey and do you feel that because you took that journey you've learned more about yourself about sexuality and about how to um, improve that not only for yourself but for others Oh my God, definitely. Um, I think I think when I first started, I 
thought I knew a lot about sex and I did because when I was in uni I was always the one my friends are coming to and even like my mum's friends and like people who were older than me would come to me for sex advice and stuff and um, because I've always had an interest in it so I've always like kept up my research and my education but when I started writing about it and also quite recently especially during the pandemic and stuff because I think the pandemic changed everybody's sexual lives in some way um, I ha- found myself like seeking advice a bit more and realizing there were huge gaps in my own knowledge. But then once I'd filled them for myself, I would write an article about it, which is quite hard to balance because I don't want to expose too much about my sex life in magazines and stuff. But I do want to share what I've learned because I think the fact that I didn't know about it and I was in such a crisis over it, like makes me realize others are in the same position like I I had that with the sexual dysfunction one that you mentioned I did not know what to do when sexual function dysfunction comes up in your relationship and I don't think many people do and I think they think it's uncommon so that was just one of those times where it happened and I I ended up kind of like fixing myself (laughs) at the same time as writing it and plus like therapy is really expensive but when you're a journalist you can interview a therapist and slip in some of your own questions (laughs) I love that I love that everybody does it I promise it can't just be me (laughs) something that I'm, I'm interested about is what you were saying you know that you actually encountered sexual dysfunction and you didn't know how to deal with it. So you actually wrote an article about it. Could you shed some light on that? What happened, what the process was and how you actually discovered how to, I'm not sure if cure it is the right word, but how to solve it. Um, Yeah, manage it, I guess would be the right word in there. Um, I think some people can completely move past it forever, but it depends on what it is. So for me, um, I have vaginismus. Um, which if you don't know what that is it's a psychosexual condition that um, for most people it's like an anxiety response so if you're not entirely comfortable or you're feeling a bit anxious for some reason you you have involuntary contractions in your vagina which can make it difficult to have sex occasionally because obviously (laughs) penis is trying to go in and vagina is saying no that's basically off the cards now (laughs) so um, I actually I'm pretty sure I had this the first time I ever had sex, but I had no idea what was happening. And I remember my um, my first boyfriend, um, hopefully he never hears this, <laughs> being like really confused by what was happening. And I felt really, really bad because I just didn't have the words to describe what it was. I didn't know what was happening to me. And I felt really useless. And it went away and I never had that problem again for years so I think what it must have been is that I was just so anxious when I was with my first partner whenever we had sex that it it was just happening and yeah I was 15 then and then the next time it happened I was 19 and I just again was going through this really stressful um anxious time and then I struggled to have penetrative sex like constantly and realized that this was definitely a connection um so yeah that kind of inspired me to write an article about it which is funny because I'm obviously not an expert because I've literally just been having a sexual dysfunction for the last five years and not even noticed (laughs) but I think 
sometimes it's nicer for readers to read it from someone who's been there and from someone who's not perfect and is still figuring it out and they can watch my process of figuring it out and watch me or read me interviewing amazing people who do know all the ins and outs of this um so I I think that's where that interest comes from I was actually about to say what what do you what you commented on what which is has a reader for me Sometimes it's more interesting to read about real experiences than about experiences from professionals. Not that they don't know more, but just the way that it's said and just the way that the experience is felt, you kind of feel more empathy with that. So you kind of relate more. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes sometimes it's great to hear it directly from the expert, but I think occasionally when you know nothing about a subject, it's really good to watch someone go from the level that you are, like no established knowledge, and reach the end point. Like, I mean, everybody's like obsessed with stuff like Louis Theroux and like other documentary makers because each subject they look at, they don't know what they no, by the end, if that makes sense. That was a really messy sentence. I can't believe I'm a writer. Um, <laughs> you're basically with someone looking at something like sex parties or festivals or whatever it might be, and you start on the same knowledge level and you learn together. So it's almost like being coached through it by a friend or someone in the like pub toilets. And I think, especially in Britain, that's how people want to have conversations, like they're down the pub. No, exactly. hundred percent. And you can feel the love and you can feel the empathy. Yeah. And is that what you're trying to do at Cosmo? So first of all, congratulations. You are the editor of Cosmo right now. How does it feel? Um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, really, really crazy. Um, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And in every gig that I do and Cosmo included, which is coming to an end soon because it is an acting position. Um, and I'm sad (laughs) but I'm so grateful to be put in a position where I can um take some charge on those uh narratives around sex and relationships and you know make sure it's inclusive make sure it's accessible it's really really important to me and yeah I can't believe it's happening (laughs) did not think I'd be editing Cosmo but let's put it that way (laughs) Do you think that you are playing a role in in helping people understand sex in a different way and being more inclusive and in talking about things by their name and not by perpetuating misconceptions about sex? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important role for every sex and relationships journalist to have. Um, and I do slip up sometimes as well and I have to catch myself and correct it because I'm unfortunately a human being. <laughs> but I I really do try my best and I think it's important for all writers to do that. And that covers so much stuff that you wouldn't even think. Like about, like, I'd say like four years ago, I always used to talk about sex like it was a set menu like you had like a foreplay and then sex and I'd always refer to sex as like penises going into vaginas and everything else was something different and I would never talk like that now um because of my personal experiences and because I've just as my career has gone along I've learned so much about what sex actually is to so many different people and yeah the the, the approach is ever-evolving, basically, and it's only going to continue to as we learn more about 
sex because there, there's so much to learn there like when I tell people who don't know much about the sex industry or the sex side of writing that this is the job that I have they're always like oh do you write smut like or is it or is it just like a guide on how to do a really good blowjob and I'm like I have written a guide on how to do a really good blowjob <laughs> but it's actually really really political there is so many layers to sex and relationships like I don't think you can name anything in your life that isn't somehow influenced by sex. Um, so there's so much to explore, so much to get wrong, but we do our best. <laughs> I feel the same way with the podcast. I learned so much from each and every guest that I hadn't even considered. So it's very enriching to be in this in this uh, industry, I would say. Yeah, sometimes when I'm interviewing someone like... Um, not even just experts either like sometimes if an interview and a case study who's just telling me about their sex life and they're like just a normal person going about their business they'll like blow my mind so much that I'm like just sitting there gobsmacked and I'm forgetting to ask them questions (laughs) and I'm like oh my god wow and then it will stay with me for the whole week and then I won't be able to talk about anything else like my mom will just be innocently trying to take me to Tesco and I'm like mom did you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I love it. But I, but I understand the feeling as well. Yeah. So what do you think is the key to being a good sex and relationship writer? It's really hard because I, I always give such conflicting advice, I think. Because I want to say, like, make sure you're being inclusive and accessible. But also, like... Don't take the fun out of talking out about sex. Like, don't overthink it. Like, you're going to mess up, unfortunately. But the nice thing about writing is you can go in and edit it afterwards. So, and you can take it into your future um, endeavours and make sure that you're being more careful in the future and everything's a, a learning experience. And I just think do your very, very best. And for me, the most important thing is always being super balanced um, in a non-tick boxy way, just making sure you've got lots of different perspectives so that something is being accurately reported rather than making big, bold claims and then specifically going and finding people who will back up that like that claim instead of challenging yourself. Because like, what's the point if you're not challenging yourself? I don't think anyone gets into this profession if they don't want to be challenged and to learn. Um, I'd be very surprised if there was anyone working as a sex journalist who wasn't up for that. Um, And just being accessible. I don't like it when people write down to people um, and come across like an expert when they're not or um, yeah, have like a super patronising tone. I've, I've seen some writers do that before and I won't name them, but I've found it very questionable like um, acting like people should already know something. And I was like, well, it's probably a very big reason why they didn't know. So that's just exactly. being empathetic and accessible. So yes, yeah, that's exactly. the top of my list. Like, And even if you are writing something, like um, a lot of sex writers always say to me that like they're sick of the whole... Um, seeing the articles about masturbation being a positive thing because they're like oh well everybody already knows that and I'm like but do they do they like it's it's easy when you're a sex journalist to get caught in like an echo chamber thinking that everybody's sex positive now but I was at a house party 
about two months ago and a woman asked me if I could discreetly send her some vibrators that were really small and easy to hide and if I could send them to her while her husband was away because she didn't want to admit she was masturbating to him so and and she's just a normal lady like she that's scary it's still happening it's people still need empowering and like just because you're empowered doesn't mean everybody else is like something you think is so surface level is probably not for somebody else no I I was doing a live on Instagram the other day and I was just talking about how some men in this obviously this is not generalization but it's it's the truth that some men are still a little bit wary of sex toys thinking that the sex toys can replace them in this I was talking specifically about a heterosexual relationship and then after that live a friend of mine actually sends me a message saying were you talking to me I'm like, no why and the response was you know it really helped me understand that a sex toy can just make it fun and this is like a very good friend of mine somebody that I actually believed was very open-minded yeah Yeah, I've had that too. Like people you really don't expect. Um, But I I almost don't blame them. Like Mm. none of us, maybe the the new generations will be better, but I don't think I used a sex toy until I was about 20. And um, I think that was considered quite late for my generation (laughs) because I've grown up in a semi-sex positive environment. And yeah, quite a lot of the lads I know always need a bit of a push or like my friend like will ask me for recommendations of like really small, non-intimidating ones because she doesn't want it to be like bigger than her partner's. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so silly. But I get it in a way. Men have like been almost coached to believe that their penises are so important. (laughs) They're not, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) the thing here was obviously I'm not shaming my friend I'm actually happy with the courage that they had to tell me this because like you said it's not that everybody knows we assume that everybody knows because we talk about this every day but they don't or not everybody does so yeah I'm I'm so glad that you do what you do and that you help people understand uh, that they can do more for themselves and for their relationship talking about relationships I know that you got engaged last year, so you've been yeah. planning your wedding. Yes, I have been, yes. Congratulations. Thank so, you so much. As someone in a committed relationship, what do you think is the key to good sex? Oh my God, what is? Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, right? this is going to sound weird, um, but I think just like laughter and not taking it too seriously. Me, me and my um, fiance were talking about this not long ago and we were trying to think of like what the best sex we'd ever had was. And, um, you know, we've <laughs> had some very kinky nights, but those weren't the nights that we were like looking at. And um, we both sort of said like the best sex we've ever had has been when we've just like been laughing and like, like silly things has happened, like you know somebody's fallen over or (laughs) it's just been like giggling or 
um like the funny sex when you're not taking it too seriously or when like something happens and you have to like sort of get over it like you know sometimes sex just isn't working for some reason and you've tried like six different positions and then you're like yeah I'll leave it <laughs> you just end up doing something else um I think when you're in a long-term relationship specifically I think it's really important to be able to laugh together when you're having sex I don't know if I would be the same with someone who I was just casually seeing or if it was right at the beginning of our relationship but when you've been having sex with the same person for over four years I think it it's really important to be able to like laugh together and not take things too seriously it's hard because you should take sex seriously especially at the beginning and especially when consent and boundaries are so important but when you know each other like that and you have each other's levels and boundaries like nailed down and stuff I think it's just important to remember to have fun and not take it like too seriously and not worry about what sex everybody else is having as well like there was a a point where we were having a dry spell and I took it way too seriously I got really upset and I spoke to someone um, again, I was writing about what I was going through and I spoke to a professional about it. And she was like, do you even want to have loads and loads of sex right now? Or do you just think everybody else is? So you must. And I was like, oh God, it's the second one. <laughs> and yeah, really had to check myself on that. So yeah, that was a long answer, but a bit of laughter, not taking yourself too seriously and just not looking at everybody else's relationships because um, people won't be telling you what's entirely accurate about their relationships anyway yes um, some people lie <laughs> I love that advice I think it's very spot on I've been also in a very long-term relationship and I can for sure relate but what if somebody wants to improve their intimacy and they are in a long-term relationship apart from laughter what <laughs> steps do you suggest for these couples uh, to improve their intimacy uh, nobody likes it, but it is just communication. Um, just being, you got to put all your cards on the table if you want to have good sex. You need to um, really speak through what you like, what you don't like. Um, if there is anything going on that you're a bit worried about, you've got to say it. You can't leave it all trapped up. It's going to bubble up and then explode and you're going to upset somebody. And yeah, I mean, it's really hard for people to do. And it's hard for me to do as well, even as someone who considers themselves to be really sex positive and really open. I really struggled with communication. And I think just finding what works for you and trying lots of different things as well and trying to block out the noise of what people say is like shit sex because it might not be for you. Like one thing that I really like doing, and I've done this in a few different relationships, is scheduling in time that's specifically for sex. And I would always hear people being like, oh my God, I would hate to be one of those people who schedules in sex. And like people even moan about it on Twitter. Um, so you've got to learn to block out that noise of like people's random opinions on what constitutes good sex because it might work for you. And I, I would say the same goes for anyone who's like quite vanilla as well. They're probably sick of seeing loads of different people's opinions on vanilla sex being boring are like you just really got to focus on your relationship and remember it's not anything to do with anyone else and 
actually your sex life, you know, it doesn't have to be the be all and end all. Like it doesn't have to say something about your relationship. And yeah, I would just focus on, it sounds so daft and like really obvious, but really focus on just the two of you and make sure you actually are doing that. Because I think I used to say I was always focused on my relationship and blocking out the noise and and being super communicative, but I could have been doing more and I am now. You know what? Actually, we've been doing the podcast for almost a year and 90% of people we interview talk about communication and how important it is. At the same time, I think it's still so underused. We've had clients from Pleasy Play Um, asking us why they need to answer for a challenge if they're accepting or not. Yeah. And when we explain to them that if they say yes, they're helping their partner be in the mood. And if they say no, they're communicating that's something they're not into it or into, sorry, or they're simply saying, I don't feel like doing this today or right now. Then we really feel that the feedback that we get afterwards is, oh, now I get it. It's so much easier now to communicate with my partner, even on sensitive subjects that I wasn't able to do before. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think so many people will say communication on this podcast as well, because like me, um, so many people think they're communicating and they're not. Or they are, but they're communicating at like a 5% level and they're not actually digging in. And I think that's because sex is really hard to talk about especially for like I was going to say especially for young people but it's not even that it's everybody um even with the person you're having sex with who's the one person you should be talking about sex with and it is really really hard and when I learned how to properly communicate about sex um especially when you have got some sort of um problem or issue you're working through um there's there's so much to it like um I think it was Dr Karen Gurney who's the sex doctor on Instagram. I'm sure you follow her. <laughs> and she wrote the book, Mind the Gap. I hope it was her, otherwise I'm citing this to the wrong person. But I interviewed, <laughs> I interviewed somebody about um, what to do with sex. It was her. It definitely was her, remember now. <laughs> but um, she said that after sex, she sometimes likes to recommend people have a debrief. So I feel like, by now quite a lot of people know that you're supposed to have a consent exchange before sex if it's the first time you're having sex or if you're trying something new you're supposed to have an exchange of boundaries and a big discussion about that but quite often people then have sex and then just go have a piss and then fall asleep (laughs) you should actually have a conversation afterwards and that was something that really really helped me and I've only ever done it with one person and that's my fiance. I have had many sexual partners before him and I've always forgot or just not even considered having a discussion afterwards. Um, You know, people will say stuff like, that was really hot, let's do that again. But being with someone where we actually have a discussion about what what went down, what was good, what could be better, um, you know, how, how do we feel about that? Especially when you've tried something new or something a bit kinky maybe. Um so so important I actually can't believe how life-changing it was I think Karen calls it a debrief um and yeah I 
love it recommend it to everybody and it sounds really boring and like overly adult doesn't it like make sure you have a discussion about everything that happened um but it doesn't have to be boring you can make it sexy you can like stay in bed and have a chat and while it's still fresh or actually it's not boring at all I do it as well and it's super hot yeah because you're just sharing yeah yeah it's nice to get feedback I think (laughs) I always used to find it hot when it was over text as well you can make it into like sexting it's very nice (laughs) and you can just be cuddling with your partner and just being talking about what you really enjoyed and what you want to try next time so you're almost getting in the mood for the next time yeah oh yeah that's a good point I have actually in the middle of the debrief ended up having sex again because it is a turn on um yeah I think it's one of those things that sounds boring and and then you do it and you're like that this is actually really fun and really healthy and best sex is healthy sex so. I agree but before we we close with the question we ask all, all our guests I was thinking you must have some funny stories, either your stories or from um, readers that have shared with you things that people aren't really thinking that can happen during sex, but they have. I mean, I'm just trying to lighten the mood and say, you know, things do happen during sex. People do fall out of the bed or (laughs) other, other types of things. So I was just thinking if you could share a story from somebody or from yourself. Oh my God. Um, I mean, mine are horrendous. I must tell <laughs> that you might just hang up. Um, <laughs> I I can tell. So recently I've been writing about um, sex injuries because they're way more common than you'd think. Um, there's actually like some statistics that were released recently uh, about how ugh, there's just a crazy amount of sex toy injuries in A&E. And it's like mostly from people sticking stuff that was designed for one hole in a different hole. <laughs> but it got me talking to my friends about um, sex toy injuries. And it's it's not technically an injury. She's going to kill me for sharing the story, but I won't reveal any identifying factors about it. <laughs> and I'll just not tell her to listen to this. <laughs> but my friend, um, when she was feeling very horny, you know, some people like to put food on their genitals. Yes. Yeah partners can eat it off that's very fun and if you want to do it go for it but you really need to think about what food you're going to use um because my friend um put um minstrels in her vagina you know the galaxy like buttons that have the casing around them okay and waited for them to melt so that her partner could eat them out but they have shell casings on them so the chocolate melts but the the casings go nowhere um so that went from sex to a really hot night in with her in a nice lingerie of her boyfriend fishing out minstrel shells from her vagina and then they're not having sex like at all because who would want to have sex after a terrifying night of fishing exactly <laughs> yeah. that was truly awful and has really put me off food play so bad <laughs> <laughs> but I did laugh she didn't (laughs) but I did and that's what matters we're all laughing so thank you uh Beth's friend we're all very happy about that (laughs) um but yeah be careful with food play it can be awesome but please know how to do it and how to use it I'm not a a master on that so I can't give any advice 
yeah it, you've got to be careful and pick your food wisely I've I've never done it so I don't know what food banana feels safe <laughs> and chocolate like loads of um sex toy shops sell edible chocolate that's body safe so why don't you just buy that instead of going to the like grocery store <laughs> all sorts of nightmares happen there you have to be careful with food as well a different friend of mine had an Indian with her like an Indian takeaway with her partner and um he was manhandling a chili when he was preparing their dinner and he didn't wash his hands before sex and she had to go to A&E because he fingered her with a chilli hand. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I I'm like cringing, up. thinking, no. Oh, yeah. I, my body like went inside itself when she told me, like a turtle. I was like, oh, oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that sounds uh, bad. Uh, it was bad. Those are probably my two worst stories. Well, one should I say for a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I actually just remembered I have, I know somebody that works in the ER. So I'm not, of course, I'm not going to name, name them. And we were yeah. just talking about funny stories. And she was saying that once a, a guy came in complaining about his stomach hurting and then his anus hurting. She's like, oh, okay, maybe it's hemorrhoids. Let me call a, a doctor so that he can have a look. The doctor went in, he just said, you know, let me just feel it so I can understand what's happening. And he just put his finger inside his anus. And all of a sudden, a spray came out. He literally ran out of the room. He thought there was um, an animal inside. You know, he wasn't sure exactly what it was. Well, this person thought it was safe to introduce a can of like spray, a type of spray, oh, into their anus. Interest. <gasps> exactly so when he put his finger inside he actually pressed the spray which is what scared him him oh the doctor God. yeah oh, God. oh no i bet that's so common though because i remember one of my um mom's friends was telling me that like way back in the day like in the 70s and stuff it was quite common for girls to use the end of their hairbrush oh and that's horrible it's so hard. It seems yeah. still safer, FYI. Yeah, than a deodorant can. If those are your only choices, then go for the hairbrush. But God, buy a sex toy that a professional made. <laughs> exactly, buy a sex toy. Yeah. Um, after these cringing yet funny stories, I'd love <laughs> to ask you, but I think I've asked you this, but let, let's see if you can come up with a different answer. So okay. how do you keep your relationship open, exciting and intimate? Oh, wow. That's not communication. On top of communication? Um, I think fun and being able to like keep things spicy and interesting and try new things. Um, but don't just do it for the sake of it. Like actually figure out what you'd really like to do. You know, watch some films that have got it in. Watch some ethical porn that have got some... Um, sex acts in it that you'd like to explore like watch it together have a look at it and think would we want to do this you know talk to your friends about what has spiced up their relationship that you'd like to give a go and there's just so many cool things that you can use to do that now like the um the subscription that you guys have is really cool that's for couples there are also like apps I can't think of what they're called right now but they're like tinder but you match on um like sex acts together um and you can get card games that do that as well which is um a bit more fun because it's very old school and you don't have to use your phone 
um, there are so many different things you can get now that are specifically for exploring together. And I think that's really, really exciting. And yeah, I think that's really, really fun. Sometimes um, it's amazing how much a sex toy can make you think of something you might like to do that you wouldn't have before as well. Like I remember like me and my partner thought we'd, you know, pretty much explored everything we wanted to and we really knew ourselves. But when we were in Amsterdam, we kept seeing stuff and being like, oh my God, what the hell is that? And finding out what that is and then being like, oh, <laughs> maybe I want to put that in myself. <laughs> I think it's just helping to break up the routine and finding something new that, you know, helps yeah. get things exciting again. Yeah. Especially when you're working as well. No one tells you how much work gets in the way of sex. That's like the worst part of being an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I love working. I'm like a diagnosed workaholic, but I'm really just getting in the way of shagging. <laughs> oh, I love that um beth where can everybody know more about what you write where can they find you you can find me on instagram at beth ashley writer um you can have a nice look through my website if you fancy it at bethashley.co.uk that's where all of my articles are living and most of the like british nationals i'm in vice id cosmo still sounds so weird to say I'm at, like secretly a re- big baby he has no idea what's going on and is extremely excited <laughs> but yeah that's where you can find me Beth, it was a pleasure we loved having you with us thank you very much thank you so much and that was intimacy play we hope you enjoyed it to find out more about pleasey and how we can take your relationship to the next level visit pleaseyplay.com then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>